You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Feeling it? Are you getting ready? Are you getting excited? It's pre E3, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, HelloFresh. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is pulling that E3 hype train out of the station, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And you all raised $8,259. You all saved lives. Nice. And helped kids around the world. Blew past your goal, man. Destroyed your goal. Childhood cancer. Yeah. Un. Unbelievable. I'm at a loss for words. In St. Jude, they set an ambitious goal. Their Play Live, this video game streaming fundraising campaign, they set an ambitious goal for themselves at $2 million, and they surpassed that, and you all were a big part of why that happened. So um, from the very bottom of my heart, thank you very much. It, 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 it means the world to me. Well, congrats, Christian. That's really awesome and laudable, and uh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of our listeners for helping that happen. Uh, I'm so proud of my Golden State Warriors for helping it happen as well. Uh, they are playing in the finals as we speak. And uh, yeah, what a great cause. And I'm so gl- glad you do this every year. And I'm so glad our community rallies around that. Um, you don't have to stop, by the way. You know, you can always keep uh, keep donating to St. Jude's. It's a very worthy cause all year round. Um, man, this is going to be a jam-packed episode. We got lots to talk about. The pre-E3 news is is just juicy and fun. Already stuff, big stuff uh, being announced, being confirmed, being trailered. We're going to talk about it all. We've got big games, fun games to talk about. Uh, lots of incredible VR stuff is happening. And we have pre-E3 predictions for the big show that's happening right around the corner and we've got an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for deducing what's likely at the conference. Because it is the week before E3, we do have our predictions and we have our favorite annual third chair to join us for the pre-E show. It's, it's, it's tradition now. 
from GameRant.com, Mr. Anthony Taormina. Hey, Anthony, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm here for my uh, my annual checkup on the E3s. On the threes that are E's. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year this year, uh, and I'm so- I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get right in and start the way we always do with story. Oh, actually, let's start a way we don't always do, but it's pre E3 week, so we got to start this way. Choo choo indeed. We got the we gotta get that hype train going before we get into the show the way we always do. <laughs> it's story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's five by five dlc.reddit.com or by sending us an email. We love getting your emails at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Anthony, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. Lots of craziness as we get close to E3. Everybody is, you know, everybody wants to be, they have their own spotlight, their own moment in the sun. And so it feels like stuff that used to be announced at E3 or debuting in E3 is spilling over into the weeks leading up to E3. So we got lots of news. So Anthony, you get first pick. What's your story of the week? I feel as though there is a certain thing that is really the story of the week, but I think one of you would be better suited to choose it. So I'm going to choose Call of Duty Modern Warfare Reveal. Yeah, we got a new Call of Duty Modern Warfare coming from Infinity Ward. It's called Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which... which not to be confused play. with Call of Duty 4 <laughs> colon Modern Warfare. Right. That four is the differentiator. Good. Or Get. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. I think that's still Call of Duty 4. Modern Call of Duty had a four in it. Uh, I, I feel like we need Warfare Vanilla Remastered. Ice to do the theirs goes and then ours goes about <laughs> the difference between his. Anyway, that's a deep cut. But anyway, yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to uh, drive a lot of retailers nuts when they put it into their back ends, I'm sure. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's not put it into our back ends. Uh, hey it comes out October 25th. It touts a, quote, reimagining from the ground up. Now, that's a buzz, buzz phrase, but it certainly seems like they are attempting something that's a little more nuanced than your typical calls of duty. And they're trying to add some, I think, real emotional tension, some real world headlines and real world ambiguity as far as who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Uh, It's going to have lots of fancy schmancy graphics capabilities. They're supporting 4K HDR, DirectX ray tracing on PC, PBR decal rendering system, which I didn't even know that Paps Blue Ridden had decal rendering, but I guess it does. Uh, world volumetric lighting, uh, all kinds of, of buzzwords there as well. It certainly looks real pretty. Captain Price is back. Anthony, what do you what do you think? Well, you saw the trailer, no doubt. Yes. What do you think of it? Um, I mean, I'm into it. Uh, I think that uh, it was a direction most people didn't expect them to go, obviously, because they went backwards. Um, I don't know. On the one hand, it seems like the simplest place to go in a time when 
the Call of Duty franchise is a little bit in flux um, or reportedly in flux um, as far as, you know, the behind the scenes rumblings that the next iteration is is totally being rewritten. Like this seems like, OK, let's play it safe. Um, and it seems super smart. It seems like the way to go. But at the same time, it's hard not to be like, well, you tried future didn't really work out. You tried past didn't work out and now you're just basically repeating what you did like are we going to just like is next year's game gonna be call of duty black ops and we're just gonna do like a reimagining of mason and the numbers that that stuff seems Maybe. seems a little i don't know it seems like that's possible based on those that's true yeah rumblings you're talking so about. I, I i'm i'm eager to see more of it i think that the approach to the campaign, I'm really excited that they're sticking to the campaign because I was super bummed out about them taking it out in favor of Battle Royale and whatever. Um, yeah, last year was like, Call of Duty doesn't need a single player. We're here for multiplayer. Yeah, this year it's like all about that single player, bro. Yeah. You know so, you want it. You know you love it. The single player campaign is where it's at. It's like, oh, okay. I am one of those people that plays the campaign. I'm one of the five. Um, no, dude. I think the three of us are three of the five. Yeah, because for sure. I think that's what we all we all come. That's what brings us to the yard. Um, so yeah, I, yeah you know I'm I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it. I'm I'm excited to yeah have a campaign. It seems like they're doing interesting stuff. I don't know about uh, they. There was a quote floating around somewhere that said that they kind of were inspired by the no Russian level from uh, I think Modern Warfare Two. Uh, 10 hours of no rushing. Yeah, which which seems like they're just going to kind of you know hammer us in the in the face with this like war is real, war is gritty on the streets. And I don't know if we necessarily need that in our video games. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um I don't know, we'll see. I think that was one of the criticisms of Modern Warfare after the first one was they had so much success with it kind of subverting your expectations, making you play a character and then having that character die. And then in the second game and the third game, they were like, Oh, here's a character that you've never seen before. Guess what? They just died. You know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But I think this is an interesting approach to uh, revitalizing call of duty. And I really do want to see what they do with the multiplayer because they could very easily play that safe or they could go in its own direction. Uh, I assume we'll see more of that in a week or so. Christian, I, I I would venture to say that the reason no Russian worked or was so impactful at the time was because video games weren't really doing that. Video games were still on the more arcadey side of their evolution into storytelling, into a storytelling medium. And the fact that that game tried something as morally gray, even reprehensible as that level, I think was shocking, but it was brief and it was because games weren't really doing that. And also because the world, I think, didn't feel quite as, what's the word, um, scary. (laughs) Maybe it did. I don't know. It's post 9-11, so it was still scary. Uh, I'm just trying to say, what do you think about this tone? What do you think about what they're trying to accomplish here. What do you think about the trailer? Yeah, I think I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I hope Anthony's right. I, I want to be optimistic about it to me. Uh, I'm trying, I was trying to think of a word that's less than desperate, but I think it, it reeks of whatever is less than desperate where I think it, it, to me right now, having not played it, it seems as if the franchise is very stale 
where it has become still a, a great selling franchise from year to year and some of the best left trigger, right trigger, you know, gameplay um, around. I'm curious how a, the new engine might affect that because um, 60 frames per second and it's really been fast and, and snappy um, gameplay for decades now or over a decade now. Um, but I feel like it shows that they don't quite know what they're doing or how to innovate in the space where before it was three years ago, it's like, we're going back to world war two. It's what you all wanted. It's where call of duty cut its teeth. World war two. We're back. You're going to love it. And then it was guys. Battle Royale is where it's at. We're going back. We're doing battle Royale. Look at this. And now it's modern warfare. It's where it's at. It's where the current iteration of call of duty became the blockbuster that it is. And like, c- cool, but like, what are what are you, Call of Duty? Like, what are you now in 2019 that's not copying another successful trend or looking back to when you were innovative and interesting in the space? And I think it's something that God of War, also a nightmare on uh, retailers' internal listings, <laughs> did well. And something that Doom, also a uh, <laughs> retailer listing nightmare, 2016 did really well where they evaluated what they are and and where they were from and where they're going and found ways to be interesting and relevant going forward. And it appears to me that Call of Duty has not figured that out. I think a lot of the talk that they've said about the game and it's a gray area and this, that, and the other, I I feel like I've heard that before from them. Um, I think, I believe it was Waypoint in Austin that had a a really interesting article about the tone of the presentation and how they tried to pitch it as like, you know, war is ambiguous. It's a gray area. We're really going to make you think about it. Now, please welcome to the stage, the expletive guy that does guns like expletives. And it was like, these guns are amazing. You put it in your mouth. You put it everywhere. Look at it. It's beautiful. Kill stuff with it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Mm, That's Call of Duty for you. Like, I'm not expecting this to be a nuanced game that makes me feel in any way, shape or form where I'm mowing down thousands of people. I hope to be wrong, um, but to me, Call of Duty campaigns, and even including No Russian, uh, in my opinion, are as subtle as a sledgehammer. And I I don't see this game bucking that trend. And it's been tried before, not necessarily by them. What was the EA Beards guys? Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor Beards. Tier one, bro. Yeah. Yeah. They, They tried to do that as well. And... I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think Spec Ops The Line did an excellent job of it five years ago. Um, five. <laughs> Hilarious. Five. How long that I'm, I'm a young guy. Hilarious. Um, five. That's how you know you're old. Everything is five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Everything's five years ago. Uh, yeah. You guys remember when the first Aladdin came out five years ago? <laughs> so yeah, I hope to be wrong. I hope it's great. I think it looks beautiful. But, We've been doing uh, this show for five years, Christian. You know, the Spec Ops The Line guys came on week and confirmed, and we hung out with them after the game had been out for like a year. Okay, so <laughs> I get it, Jeff. You're older than me, and I'm 21. We're okay. old. <laughs> what are your thoughts? My So let me say right up front, I think that the trailer visually is spectacular. I mean, it really we're – getting, we're getting new consoles in like a year? And this is what's coming out now? It's crazy. Like, what are the new consoles going to bring visually to the table? Because this is, I mean, there's there's shots that look like GoPros stuck to helmets. And I'm like, yeah, no, if I just walked by a computer screen, I'd be like, oh, wow, somebody got GoPro footage of war? Crazy. I mean, it, it, it's extraordinary looking. Um, and there is certainly part of me that wants to be very happy that they are 
they're claiming to grow a conscience that 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 a that a game about as you put it wanton murder uh and and a lot of video games are and I play a lot of shooters so I'm not going to I'm not being holier than thou but in a, in a world where I mean we had another mass shooting this week and it barely made a blip on anybody's radar I feel less and less thrilled making something that's super realistic and super gritty about war. I just get less and less excited about that because the real world is encroaching on my hobby, right? It is coloring my experience. And so part of me wants to laud them for this, at least lip service to having some sort of conscious conscience, putting you in a position that maybe makes you think and not just makes you super excited to murder stuff. But I do believe that in order for that to have any weight at all, land with any impact at all, you have to make a game where the there are interactions other than shooting. Call of Duty, at its very core, allows you to interact with the world in one way, and that is to pull a trigger. Well, Jeff. Yes, sometimes you get to press X press to, F to mourn. Pay respects. Pay, press X to pay respects. Certainly sometimes that happens, few and far between. Pressing X to pay respects is not particularly compelling interaction as far as I'm concerned. So almost 99% of your interactions with the world in a Call of Duty game and in any shooter, but in you know we're talking about the Call of Duty franchise here, is do I shoot it or do I not shoot it? And almost always the answer is you shoot it. So how do you reconcile that? How do you go, well, I'm here to shoot the things and to kill the things, and you are expecting me to think about whether I should? That is the only thing you give me to do. So unless we're going to play a game where there are more interesting interactions than just shoot a thing, I don't think you have any chance to create the context that they seem to be claiming they're creating. And like you, Christian, I want to be wrong. I hope that when I play this campaign, and I'm kind of excited to play the campaign. It looks interesting and fun, but I, I like spare me the sermonizing if all the missions are just and then you kill everybody because, I, like, that's not even that's not even go there. Then if 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 you're not giving me a way to feel the thing and make a decision about it, then what's the point? If if it's just like oh, feel bad for doing this, but have fun doing this, the that's, point. I, I agree with you, uh, but I think the counter argument is the point is Shadow of the Colossus. Okay, I see what you're saying in the sense that you know you're supposed to feel a compassion for the Colossi and and yet murder them at the same time. All you can do is kill in that game, and right. and and I think to some extent, um, God of War, all you can do is kill in that game. It you know there's very little meaningful well, interaction that's not killing but it's able to tell a story in a compelling way but uh, the, the killing in the yeah i mean the in both last of us and god of war's situation you're killing an other right and i mean uh, I last of us i killed a lot of people that's true i killed that's a true. lot of people yeah especially towards the end uh <laughs> i killed a lot of people yeah yeah, I guess I guess there are ways to do that, but I I remain skeptical that a game that really is all about pointing a gun at something and eliminating it is going to I mean because I feel like Last of Us allows you to have 
other kinds of interactions with that world. I can throw a brick at it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, yeah, I think I you make a fair point. I think you make a fair, and I think it's a limitation of video games and it's a limitation of 30 seconds of fun, right? Which is what video games are built on. So I, I, I very much yearn for the days of interacting in a more sophisticated way. I mean, I want holodeck, right? I want, I want to go into a game and be Sherlock Holmes like Picard does. I want to go into a game and, and feel the weight of my actions in a way that video games don't currently give us. I still have fun playing arcade games. I still have fun shooting stuff. I do it all the time in, in video games. So I'll be talking you know. about it later in the show. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, uh, really interesting to see what this Call of Duty ends up being and how close to that they get, or if it really is just a spin on something that's going to be much more familiar. Christian Spicer, lots more big, juicy stories this week. What's your story of the week? I mean, I think my story of the week has to be, Jeff, that we were right. Um, I mean, I think every week is that? Yeah, proving it yet again, uh, Death Stranding got a release of 2021, just like we predicted. (laughs) Yeah, we're Um, always right, man. There was no update, no gameplay footage. The game's far away. They apologized, and they said probably expect it 2022 and you know sorry for the just like a screen it was like one screen a tweet that came out from kojima yeah. and was like my apologies see you in five years we so. gotta eat so much crow man this is <laughs> this is um we you know we were very wrong very <laughs> wrong about death training if it you happened, guys start eating the crow let's get to november yeah, if November 8th comes, I guess that's no, when we actually we eat can't. the crow. <laughs> I mean, come on, we're wrong. I mean, Anthony, you're also wrong. We're all wrong. <laughs> Why am I wrong? There's no way you thought this game was coming out this year. I mean, I still do, I <laughs> I do still not don't believe <laughs> that the game is coming out this year. A- Anthony is loading his plate with more crow. <laughs> He's like, I'll have seconds of that, please. I mean, if I'm going to eat a little bit, I might as well double down and take my chances, okay? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more crow where that came from. Uh, okay, so what Christian is referring to, if you haven't been paying attention, is uh, Death Stranding has a release trailer, has a final uh, release tra- – well, not final. I'm sure there will be lots more of them. But uh, has a actual release date, November 8th, PlayStation 4, Hideo Kojima's magnum opus, Death Stranding. And it came complete with eight minutes plus of gameplay and cutscenes that really just explained exactly what this game is about. You're president of expletive, Bridget. Best line. <laughs> Makes it super clear. Um, What do you think about this, Christian? What do you think? I mean, you are a Metal Gear Solid fanatic. You love the Kojima. And this is is Kojima unbridled. He is unleashed. He's he's got his own studio and he's he's ready to rock. What do you think? What do you you make of this? Yeah, I have a little uh, Metal Gear limited Japanese poster over my shoulder. You can barely see it. Um... Well, one, backing all the way up, the um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn engine, that Guerrilla Games engine, is incredible because... I think it is a hybrid. It is not... I don't think it's purely that engine, right? He he, he used some tech from them, but it, they had proprietary... Not proprietary, but they have I don't original... Know. Uh, they brought their own ladder tech. Yeah. You don't, you don't get any ladders like that in Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Extendo looks- ladder? Come on. It looks incredible. Again, this game coming out, it seems like PlayStation is lining up the last little bit here of the PlayStation 4. 
And people I, were I, looking I, at these trailers as the game was approaching and going, well, this is proof that PlayStation 5 is coming because look at this. Yeah. Photorealism, this acting. And it's like, no, no, that's coming out on PlayStation 4. It looks incredible. Um, you mentioned the story seeming, I have no clue. I mean, it's full tilt Kojima, it seems like. Um, and then, so the thing that has, I, I like that. I, I like I like where, you know, Kojima's mind unlocked might take us. I think that's fascinating and exciting. What the trailer put me off of the most is I don't think the gameplay looked particularly interesting from what I could extrapolate out that you're doing. It, it was a lot of like running away, but still well, getting caught. Let's read the the uh, marketing. Because that explains uh, it? Yeah, it's just, it's so, <laughs> it's so clear. This is the uh, um, press release, exactly. Yeah. Quote, Death Stranding is a completely new type of action game where the goal of the player is to reconnect isolated cities and a fragmented society. It is created so that all elements, including the story and gameplay, are bound together by the theme of the strand or connection. You, uh, so <laughs> uh, that's part of it. Here, here's the other. Here's the other thing. Um, Killing your enemies in the game is almost never the solution, and apparently every death will carry a consequence. Also, when you die, you never get a game over screen. You go to the upside-down realm where you're tasked with searching for a way back to the living. So that's what the game is. To be fair... That's that's kind of what we asked for about Call of Duty, right? Is giving you plenty to do that's not just killing. Yeah. No, dude, on paper, this sounds like the game I've been begging for. This is like I've always I've always railed against fail states. Don't give me fail states. Although um Prey One called and wants its concept for what happens when you die back, because that's exactly what happened in the first Prey, is that you go to this like ghost realm and have to fight your way back. Um But I you know, I rail against fail states. This is cool. I I want a game that makes every death feel weighty i think that's a really interesting thing that video games do all too infrequently and yeah that's awesome so i mean if those are the stated goals of this game i'm thrilled i'm excited to see how they pull it off anthony where are you coming down on this one do you think you know can you describe to me what the 30 seconds of fun of this game is and two uh where are you standing what strand are you standing okay here's what's gonna happen you're gonna pop in the disc or your digital download you're gonna sit down you're going to start to play Death Stranding. And about 45 minutes later, your controller is going to turn off because you haven't touched anything. <laughs> and you've just been watching a cutscene. <laughs> Finally, they're going to let you control it. And you're going to go, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Guys, no. I, I, I want to say I, I particularly, and I think all of us, have been very cynical about this game. And I think it's time to go, hey, maybe this is something really special. It's actually coming out which I didn't think it would ever do. And, you know, I, I've been making fun of all the goofy trailers. and But now we're finally getting a game that's coming. It's a real game. It's a game that sounds super ambitious and crazy. Maybe this is going to be amazing. Sure. Well, I, but but are we – here's the thing. Are we saying this? Are we coming up with explanations or, or justifications or whatever because – a auteur is involved if this was just some random game from some random person and we watched a trailer uh during a press conference we had no idea what it was it said death stranding there were no actors and it was just 
weird baby backpack stuff, you you would be like, no. Nah, I want my baby back. I'm baby good. Backpack. I'm good. Like, but yes, Anthony. Yes, but yes exactly. Yes. The, 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 the auteur has made some of the greatest games of all time. So I think he he has earned a bit of – Well, but he's made some of the greatest games of all time and they were all within the same genre and did the same thing. You're not wrong, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I've shifted over. I'm in the boat of – I'm kind of excited about this. Like the motorcycle? Yeah. I mean, I'm into I'll, it. I'll play it. I'm Whatever that weird like drop your shadow backpack to create things so that the monsters don't get you, into it. Extendo uh, ladder, into it. Stick a stake down and drop into wherever. Like if you can do that anywhere I – mean, I'm thinking about Metal Gear Solid Five and how – crazy outside the box some of the technology allowed you to get and if that's what we're talking about if it's like instead of in metal gear solid 5 all that tech was about eliminating enemies putting them into balloons and sending them away or whatever you're doing eliminating enemies if this is more about the technology allowing you to just avoid dying and running away from combat that's a really interesting idea and maybe it's completely maybe it is a completely new type of action game uh, to be fair, also, uh, people go back and listen. I am well on the record saying I'm excited in this game and I trust in Kojima. Did I think it was coming out in 2019? No. My Did question- you think it was coming out in 2020? No. <laughs> yeah, maybe. My question to you both, though, and to everybody, uh, staying on the adding a little more crow, I'm like taking just like half a crow to add to my plate. Do, do you think that this is Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes? Like this is the, the very pro- short? The prologue, prologue to the thing. Uh, oh, no, November 8th, we get Death Stranding prologue. Oh, you get, get Death Stranding, and then November 8th, 2020, we get Death. You know, like the strands have been connected, now play the game, or whatever uh, it is. That would be a horrible so. bait and switch. So. Yeah, that would be a rough bait and switch, man. I think yeah, they would My, my guess is bad. no, but I, I am curious at the, the length and the open world nature of yes. this game. And I, I, I'm and with you is. on that. It definitely seems like a a game i don't i mean i don't even it just it's so hard to talk about like for a game that's coming out in november and to not know a lot to not like have this feeling of like people not saying like hey we've seen the game played i don't just and we're not gonna see it at e3 we assume so it's just yeah it can't really come out this year (laughs) it can't it can't there's just no way it does seem highly unlikely. If this but game it has was a- coming out this year, why on earth would PlayStation say no to a booth or a press conference or anything? There's just they I know they could have pulled it could have pulled a full on Nintendo and just been about all about one oh, game yeah. because this game would have had the legs to the to carry that. And I, yeah, it does seem crazy, and I don't get it. But I'm I'm no longer going to doubt this game. I'm no longer going to doubt it, which basically what, means I just, just give it the you, death. Just because you thought it wasn't <laughs> going to come out at a certain date, you're no longer going to doubt it. I feel like I have to speak for the doubters here. <laughs> I am with you, doubters. I don't know what it is even about or anything. There's a guy named Die Hard Man and then another guy <laughs> named Dead Man. And he's just – Kojima is off the rails and he's just doing whatever he wants. And somebody maybe. Anthony, to be fair, uh, I do need to let our listeners know 
that Jeff and his wife were talking about growing their family, and instead Jeff just ordered the collector's edition with the the baby pod, and that's the new member. They've named it and everything. So that's why Jeff I'm in. I'm 100 in. 100 in. It's not that I'm supporting Death Stranding; it's that I'm adopting it. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, yeah. I j- well, I, well, we haven't gotten to E3 predictions, but one of my E3 predictions is that Nint- or, uh, Sony is going to pull a Nintendo Direct with Death Stranding around e3 and it's going to be like even more info and craziness anyway Fair uh what is my story of the week there's a lot of there are two that are just written for me i gotta go with this tease from larian studios i absolutely have loved divinity original sin one and two this week larian put up a teaser on their website with a big old roman numeral three that's all it is uh, which, of course, you know, we've had Divinity Original Sin 1. We've had Divinity Original Sin 2. It would certainly lead one to believe Divinity Original Sin 3 is around the corner. But no. Evidently, some snooping of the HTML by Twitter user at Kunkin uh, and uh, confirmed by Kotaku has led to a whole bunch of hints that the, the Roman numeral 3 is actually in reference to Baldur's Gate 3 which is the Dungeons and Dragons universe games that we haven't had. Baldur's Gate 2 came out in 2001. Uh, so it has been 18 long years since a Baldur's Gate official game has come out. And if the guys that made Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, which is a top-down, isometric, deep, expansive, story-driven role-playing game, are in charge of Baldur's Gate, which is a top-down, isometric, deep, expansive role-playing game. I, 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 I don't know what to even do with myself. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with them. I mean, this is, uh, this is catnip for me. So I'm uh, very excited. Anthony, what do you make of this? Uh, it's a, it seems exciting. It's uh, not my genre of choice, but I know that uh, there were a ton of people very excited by this. Um, the Divinity games are super beloved by, you know, people that like that genre. And I think it's it's a perfect match. I think it's exactly what, um, you know what developers like that work on, you know, you work on something, you work on your own property and then somebody says, Hey, we want you to take on this property that essentially inspired you. And now you get the reins and then you do a great job with that. And then, you know, you get the clout of the property and the skills of the developer combined. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Actually my only downside or not downside, but counter argument to my excitement is there's not much different between them doing Divinity Original Sin 3 and Baldur's Gate 3. Like, effectively, they're going to be – I would be happy either way. Like, whatever the 3 is referencing, I'm in. Even <laughs> if, it's, if it is Divinity Original Sin 3, I'm just as excited. I, I think Baldur's Gate 3 would, is, is a fun thing because those games have, have history and it's Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff. But – I don't, I, I'm not even, I'm not really more excited about that than I would be for Divinity Original Sin 3. I just want these guys to make more great role-playing games. So, I mean, I don't know. I, this news is cool, but it's like, just make, just keep going, Larry, and you're awesome. I think the difference is 
I mean, it's what you hinted on there. The difference is Baldur's Gate, because it's been dormant for longer, like bringing this back from this French, this team that's made these games that have been similar. You know, it's, it's, a, it's the when, um, oh man, I'm just playing on his name. Sonic Mania. Um, it's not Matt Makes Games. That's Celeste. Someone in the chat will correct me. People listening, I apologize. His name is dropping from me. But he's been in the Sonic community and, and doing levels and mods and whatever. And then the, Sega said, like, make our next Sonic game. And right. it was like, he wasn't making, you know, fast porcupine dude. It was Sonic. And it was amazing. And so it's like, right. yeah, you're making Baldur's Gate 3. And hopefully it means additional resources than what they would have had to do Divinity before. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm stoked. Hopefully, this is a tease for E3 reveal. So I'm hoping. I mean, Larian has basically my my highest confidence of any developer at this point. They they do their audience right. <clears throat> they are very open. They're very uh, audience friendly. They their games are full of value. They listen. They're, it's they really started. I mean, I think the first Divinity was a Kickstarter. And then mm-hmm. it grew and it became this huge thing. And then the second one, they got enough funding to actually do full voice acting. And so they had more resources. And so it really feels like this, uh, you know, this this organic growth that has resulted in in them playing in the big leagues. And I, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> one more story I want to talk about just because it's crazy. Uh, and we have to talk about it. It, it. I think it came out today as we're recording this. Uh, news that a Cuphead is coming to a new platform, and that platform is Tesla's. <laughs> uh, Cuphead is going to be playable on Tesla cars, evidently. Not the entire game, just the first world, uh, Inkwell Isle One section of the game. I guess the storage requirements uh, aren't, aren't the storage limitations aren't uh, conducive to bringing the entire game of Cuphead, but. It's coming to Model 3, Model S, Model X. Uh, Elon Musk revealed this in a podcast that they do. And evidently, they've been working hand-in-hand with a studio, MDHR, which is the developer of Cuphead. Uh, MDHR said that the only way they would allow this to happen is if the game looked, quote, nice and clean with a very high frame rate. Uh, I am a Tesla Model 3 owner. I'm very excited about this. And also... The, there are games already on the Tesla uh, screens. The OS in Tesla gets updated all the time with new games. Most of them are Atari games, um, and they allow you to plug in a controller directly into the car. You can pl- plug in a USB controller. Evidently, Cuphead is going to require that. It won't be able to play with the touchscreen. But literally all we've had so far is old-school Atari games like Missile Command and... Uh, I mean, I can't remember all the other ones that are on there, but that's quite a leap to Cuphead. But this is nuts. Oh, I should mention also because I already got a lot of tweets about this. You can only play even the games that are already on it. You can only play them when you're parked. So if, if the game, if the car is not in park, you can't do this. So everybody's like, well, you're going to crash. It, it's not about that. It's not about driving down the road, playing video games. It's you, you get somewhere and you're like, oh, I forgot my switch. <laughs> I want to play some video games. You can do that. I was going to say, uh, to be fair, Cuphead's out on Switch, which you can play while driving down the road. Um, <laughs> yeah, in your Tesla, you can put it on autopilot and just play I mean, your Switch. Yeah, you not that not. I've done that. <laughs> this, there's no way. If this is the reason you finally play Cuphead, Jeff, 
It might I be. Will, I will self-drive yeah, myself no to your driverless no car, and I will slap you. This is how I finally play Cuphead, you guys. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Why no? Because uh, <laughs> I, the difficulty instantly turned you off. I know, but now I'm in my car. Oh, <laughs> no. yes. Yeah, so so now you can spend 45 minutes on a boss and then drive home. Really? Just real, <laughs> feeling great about yourself. Just like, uh, stupid sunflower. Oh, my God. It just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll be outside your house. Uh, inside your house, you have like a whatever it is, 80 inch 4K HDR TV with an Xbox One X. And you'll be like, sorry, babe. I got to play only the first level of Cuphead <laughs> in my car. Maybe you play you guys, it when you're angry that you can't find a charging station. So you're like, well, if I'm going down, I'm using every guys, last drop. I didn't want to play Cuphead because I know me. I get frustrated and I'll just throw my controller and I don't want to break a controller. <laughs> so I'll play it somewhere then. Is <laughs> you get frustrated and ghost rides your whip just into a wall. You're like, ah! <laughs> just like go 90 down the street. <laughs> this is uh, so silly. I it's love it. Silly. If this it's is a, if this is the first of the weirdest game choice, <laughs> it's Cuphead of all things. I guess Elon was a really big fan of Cuphead. Man. I mean, it's a cool game. It was it made my top five when we did the top five. Yeah. But still, come on, I just it's. <laughs> I would love to like come up with the least likely game. Like this, w- this would probably be if we hadn't heard this story. If we had just been, let's come up with a joke list of the least likely games to be on the Tesla. I'd have been like. Return to the Obra Dinn, <laughs> Cuphead, you know, like <laughs> all these like, uh, what's next? You know, I just, anyway, I, I, I'm tickled by the story. And as a Tesla owner, I'm down. Bring it on. Bring it on, <laughs> so Elon. <dumb. laughs> all right, let's move on. We got so much to talk about. Uh, we do need to thank our sponsor, though, which is HelloFresh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let me tell you, I have I have completely switched over to, to HelloFresh. Why? You know that I love cooking. I have fallen in love with cooking. Uh, Now I want to cook for my whole family. And uh, HelloFresh, now that I have a one-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, HelloFresh's family plan is the best. And that is what I completely have switched over to is the family plan. They have several different plans. Uh, They have uh, the the family plan, the classic, the veggie. So, And you can switch between them at any time. But we like the family plan. It's larger. It's for more more people. It's for four meals instead of just two. And they are all all, – I think all of them are 30 minutes or less. Oh, yeah, all of them. 30 minutes or less. And they take less than two pots or pans, fewer than two pots or pans. And – so you can clean them up quick and you can make them quick. And I'm telling you, these meals are absolutely delicious. My wife and I just made the other night, we made um, maple mustard chicken. It was incredible. I think tomorrow night, my mom's going to be here. I think tomorrow night I'm going to cook for my mom from HelloFresh and make, uh, I think I'm making risotto. There's an amazing risotto that we got. I wasn't. I would never make risotto for my family if it wasn't for HelloFresh. But they make meals that I can make easily, quickly. It's simple. They have all the ingredients sent to my door in pre-packaged, pre-sized containers, so I don't have to worry about going to the store. I don't have to worry about finding cool recipes. They do all of that for me. I have more time, and my family gets to eat delicious homemade meals and I get the joy and satisfaction of cooking for my family. It's, it's, it makes conquering the chick the kitchen a reality with deliciously simple recipes. That's what they say. And I, I couldn't agree more. I'm absolutely in love with HelloFresh. Uh, 
we're going to help. If you want to try this, you should. You should give it a shot. The, the, the family plans for four people, but they have two-person classic, two-person veggie. It's easy. Uh, it's, it's very fast. They got 20-minute meals. They got one-pot wonders, all kinds of great stuff. And we're going to give you 80% off your first month of HelloFresh. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC80 and then enter DLC80 as your promo code, it's like receiving eight meals for free. So again, $20 off your first four boxes, which adds up to $80 off. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC80, enter promo code DLC80. I'm telling you, it has changed my life. I absolutely love it. Give it a shot. All right, before we get to the games that we have been playing, and there are many, uh, we gotta we got to talk a little bit about E3. This is the last episode before E3 begins. It's a very weird year. No Sony officially there. Some other companies not really there. But E3 is still the largest video game show of the year uh, with big, big news. I'm sure Microsoft is going to make a big... They have actually called their shot this year and said they're going to come large. So I'm wondering what you guys are expecting. Anthony, do you have any predictions? Do you have any expectations for what this year's E3 is going to be? Um, I think that this is, you know, uh, it's an odd year, like you said. I think it's it's basically playing into Microsoft's hand as far as being the place to debut the games. They said that they're going to use like two hours, maybe even a little more to um, show off stuff. So... Most likely 14 new first party games. Yeah, evidently, is, so, is, That's the rumor. Um, I, I just, yeah, I feel like they're just going to have this press conference that is going to be memorable and maybe not memorable because of the, you know, Xbox exclusives, but you would imagine that cyberpunk will be there. You know, you'll probably some of the rumored games that have been flying around will be there. Um, well, every year there's this this discussion of, okay, for the big third-party games, what's going to be on Sony stage? What's going to be on Microsoft yeah. stage? They don't have any competition there this year. It feels like they maybe had their pick of the litter of what they wanted to put on their stage from all the big third parties, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they honestly, they could make a show. Because in the past, they've definitely been the... Uh, press conference that likes to introduce a lull not to be like mean or anything but their press conference does have those moments where they're like okay now we're gonna talk to you about you know whatever service we have working on now they can just well that's several years ago i don't i think the last two years it's just been like game 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 for sure yeah, yeah it feels but but I mean, that that's also, I think, a byproduct of Sony saying, well, we have all these exclusives. We don't need you on our show. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be wall to wall games. I'm really excited to see what comes out of that, but also excited to see, um, you know, what Ubisoft and uh, I mean, Square. It, yeah, Square Enix. I, I'm curious if we'll get, uh, well, you know, final before Fantasy. we get off. OK, go. Before we get off Microsoft, I just want to – do you not expect them to talk about the next iteration of the Xbox? I do. I mean at this point, even if they weren't planning on it, they have to. Um, I, th- yeah. I think that Sony kind of forced their hand by um, you know, participating in that article and, and giving at least a general overview of their approach. I feel as though 
Microsoft has to at least say like, we are also working on one and it will have all of the capabilities that Sony talked about. Okay. Bye. I, I so I disagree. I, and really? I'm going to, I could be, I could be very, very wrong here. I think their conference is going to be all about that next Xbox. And I think those 14 games are going to be for that next Xbox. I think they are drawing a line in the sand and saying, we are going to win the next generation. It is going to be about streaming. It's going to be about everybody getting on board and getting in at a very low price point. You're going to be able to get this hockey puck version of the Xbox for 50 bucks and uh, you are going to be able to pay Xbox Game Pass 10 bucks a month and you're going to have all of these games at the day they release and you're going to stream. It's not going to cost you very much and you're going to be able to, it's going to be amazing. I think that's going to be the war between them and Google with Stadia. I think Google is going to start talking exclusive games and pricing and it's going to be a real rush to uh, the streamed, inexpensive, low barrier to entry version of what game consoles are going to be. And I think Microsoft is going to talk about a lot of games. I, I, I could be wrong, but I predict they're all going to be coming for that next console. But I think it's also worth, worth mentioning that those 14 games, you could probably guess what over half of them are. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's Halo, it's three Gears of War games, it's... I think we're going to see a fable. Yeah, maybe uh, it's Ori. Also, you have to keep in mind that like they said Xbox Game Studios. So that probably includes like Outer Worlds because they bought Obsidian. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like all of the games that they could be talking about are largely games that have already been confirmed for Xbox One. I, I, I would be very surprised if if you were right. Maybe. Uh, I, I, like I said, I could be very, very wrong, but that's the, that's my gut is that they, they are conceding this generation and they're going hard on the next one. And they're going to tell us that Halo infinite is a launch title for the next thing. And you can play it for 10 bucks plus the cost of a streaming system. And it's going to be the easiest way to get into Halo ever. It's going to look amazing. That's my vision of what that press conference is going to be. <clears throat> Again, I could be very wrong. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're both right, to be honest. I think that Microsoft, instead of cutting their losses with this generation, like drawing a line in the sand, I think they're going to commit to what they've done now with the back half of the Xbox One lifespan and say Xbox is everything. Just like we brought Xbox Originals back, you know, OG Xbox games playable on Xbox One, there's a wide selection of Xbox 360 games that we've enhanced for 4K. I think they're going to keep leaning into that. And and you don't have to get rid of anything. So any of these games that might be, you know, coming out toward the end of the Xbox One console generation, Ori or Gears of War 5, they will all be future compatible on Scarlet or whatever the next thing is as well. So I think they're going to talk about a lot of games that are coming this year. Um, Xbox has been big on that. Like these are all games coming or the next 12 months. And I think they are going to talk about their Scarlet or whatever the next thing is in more significant ways. But I don't think they're going to just kind of burn the bridge back to the Xbox One platform. Um, and they're going to try to carry those gamers over. And if it is the streaming service, I'm not sure why my Xbox One won't work for it. You know, like why would I even need a new hockey puck? I think there's a lot to be said of, all these games are coming out on the thing right now. And guess what? 
you already own the streaming version of our next platform. Yes, we're going to sell you a you know a disc based version that you can have under your um, entertainment center that can play all these things straight from the disc and have all the raw processing power. But if you just want to plug into the future, you're already plugged in. Scarlet launches, you know, February 2020 or something like that. There's a lot that Microsoft November can do. 2020, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just making updates at this point. I mean, I yeah. think. With Death Stranding coming out uh, November of this year, it's proof that I don't know what I'm talking about. So, oh, we've had lots of that proof. You don't need <laughs> hey, more. Hey, Spiderdomus called in and said, "Shut the heck up." <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so let's move on. I know uh, Anthony, you were you were transitioning into some sure. of the big third party press conferences, Ubisoft, Square Enix. Um, I'm certainly very excited for both of those companies. I I think it's likely this will finally be the year we see some sort of uh, finally the year that we get a splinter cell game. And I, I don't really love that franchise, but I think that could be pretty exciting at a, at a Ubisoft uh, event. And, and then I, I think personally, my prediction for my own personal game of show will probably be Avengers if they show it playable because it's my jam. I mean, I, it sounds amazing. Are you in as a game? Are you, are you interested in the division and or destiny and or Anthem? Avengers, is that your jam? Yeah. If that's what it is, is it though? I don't know. It, do you think that's what it is, Anthony? Are you saying? I mean, you that's, don't what think they, that's what they. That's what the, some people claim it is, and that it's not. Um... They're saying it's four player, drop in, drop out, co op Avengers. You know, that does sound very division. Yeah, they, uh, the, the description, yes, sounds like they're definitely trying to make Avengers Destiny. Which the problem I'm with for. that? I mean. I would play that. Yes. The problem with that, and I think this has been a problem where every, that every uh, superhero RPG has run into is like, how do you do loot? You know, because loot is never satisfying in superhero games because I don't want new gloves for Spider-Man. Like I want to look like Spider-Man. I I don't want, and, and part of the joy in those kinds of games is how look how cool I look now. Look how cool, look at the cool thing I just got. And a lot of games have solved that with, well, they give you stat increases, but no cosmetic increases or changes. And that's just not my personal uh, pleasure center. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, I got a plus two to the thing I already do. I want, I want it to, I want to look cooler and feel cooler. So that is a problem, and I don't know how they would rectify that in that template of well, the, that game. The other way would be what um, the X-Men, uh, Silicon Knights X-Men was, where, or the DC Universe Online, where you're not playing as an Avenger. You're like Agent Fulson. But that's dumb. <laughs> I, if, you know, if I'm playing an Avengers game, I want to play as Thor and Hulk and yeah. Black Widow. And that's those are the characters that... That's why that what's bring me to the yard, bro. I mean, I I bought the game with the Avengers on the title because I want to live the fantasy of being the Avengers. I mean, what if what if you are an Avenger, a new one? Uh, what you know? A what if Avenger? that's the thing? It's, what if you're Joe? Yeah, Avenger? you're joining the Avengers. <laughs> I don't know. It. I, I don't know. It, that could support the loot part. Yeah, I mean, if they can come up with a, I mean the the. They can come with a clever. I guess you can get new suits. New, you know. I mean, Spider Man, Sony Spider Man had fun new suits for Spider Man. You could get new suits, new variant, but there's a upper limit to how that can go. 
or if there's some way to get loot that <clears throat> that gives you something else that's cool, like maybe you're building up your own personal Avengers mansion or something that is less on your character and more uh, a place that you can go visit. That's I don't, I don't know. I'm not designing this. I just want to play as the Avengers, have their cool superpowers, play with my friends. Sounds like that's the game. So I'm in. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways that you can do leveling up. And I think, you know, you mentioned it a little bit where it's just stat stuff. But I think Ultimate Alliance, it looks like 3 is doing this as well. Then the past, it's been stat boost, but then they have had multiple costumes for each character. And as long as you're, then if you're juggling between characters, I, f- I find that pretty satisfying personally. Um, I'd rather have that than, you know, Captain America with like a, a funny hat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. is my approach to it. But uh, the, the, um, uh the uh Kali, the the last the Diablo Marvel game that was an Ultimate Alliance. Um, you know, they experimented with different versions of that too. I think it's a tall order. And I think if it is a, a games as service style game or a division style game, um it it's from a publisher that does not have tons of experience with that. And I is think Is it Crystal Dynamics that's doing it, Anthony? Is that um, right? I believe it's the Deus Ex people. Oh right! I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Idos Montreal. Mo- Montreal, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. I'm I'm optimistic. I love I love the IP. Certainly, I think everybody does. Uh, you know, based on the MCU, and if done well, I think it can be great. But I think there are a lot of pitfalls in that genre. Again, I'm making assumptions that it is that style of game. Um, that things like Anthem and even the Division Two it missed targets. And I know Jeff, you've been busy with stuff, but I haven't heard you talk about that game at all yeah no year. you're right i was so excited for it to come out and it it uh did not get its hooks in me and my whole group that i played the, the first game didn't really jump onto this one so i didn't really either and have been doing other things so yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah but i mean i'm excited for this one are there other games that you guys are expecting at e3 are, are there any surprises that you guys would predict Christian, I want anything? I want Rocksteady, but I don't know if I expect it. Yeah. But I love Rocksteady Dude, games every year, right? That's what I, we're hoping for. You haven't seen or heard anything from them, um, so I think that would be something very exciting. I want to see something from Insomniac. I don't care if it's a VR game, a Spider-Man well, potential DLC. I know there is VR one. Game. I know there is. I'm something new, right? Like, yeah. Um, and I, I'm excited to go hands on or eyes on. You know, get some playtime with um, what's that game? Their VR game, Storm something, Storm, Storm Forge or Storm Lightning, no or... Storm something. Yeah, yeah. it looks it looks great. really good. Yeah, it looks I, really I played cool. it at GDC. It's awesome. Yeah, um, I'd like to see something from them. Um, and then I think outside of kind of those those big publishers, my favorite part of E3 is finding like the little game. Like that's where um, uh, Counter Spy I stumbled upon. I loved that game when it came out on PlayStation. Stormland storm cool totally not generic uh, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm hoping indicate has something that kind of blows me away and that's kind of why for me personally i'm going to miss the sony show floor space as i felt like in years past they had a lot of those um smaller games with demo stations there hands-on but like you know cuphead not changing to microsoft blew me away five years ago uh, <laughs> yeah. everything was five years ago and that was first shown um i'm excited to see that kind of game and i'm hopeful there are still those there's still room for those types of games um at this year's e3 anthony last word any other predictions or oh, the from software game i'm an idiot that's the one. Oh, the the one with uh george r, r. martin yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Great rune. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I think of the unknown quantities, that's the one I would be most curious to see. I'm yeah. This year I, it's, it's largely just like a lot of things we know about. And I want to know if I'm going to be able to play them soon or, or I'm going right. to have to wait because I'd like to, uh, fill out more of the back half of this year with some video games to be excited about outside of, you know, like four or five. Right. You know, I'd like to start hearing some like, okay, this is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out because I assume that's what we're going to get a lot of. And, and it's all, it's going to be a lot of stuff we already know is coming out. Yeah. Any, I already said that I think my game of show might be that Avengers game. You guys want to predict what your game of show might be? Of the stuff we know, hopefully there's a cool, big surprise that we can all get super jazzed about. But of the things that you expect, what do you think you'll come away most excited for, Anthony? Man, um, I might say Cyberpunk again, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I guess they're showing lots more of it. So yeah. I'm excited. I, I mean, of the things we know, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Christian? I'm hopeful that Control is playable. I have not gone hands-on with Control. Uh, I know that our thoughts are different about that game, Jeff, but I I feel very enticed by that game. And uh, it's hard not to have it be Pokemon Sword or Shield. (laughs) The game looked great. (laughs) And all I needed to play and be like, yep, that's... That's a big, it's a big new Pokemon. Um, I mean, and, and it comes out like two weeks after E3, but Super Mario Maker, like, can that be my game, <laughs> my game of show? <laughs> Even though I'm going to, I already, you know, I'm buying it two weeks later. Um, yeah, there's a, there's going to be, I, I, I'm, I'm very excited and I'm, I'm curious to see what those surprises will be that will blow people away. Cause I think, I think Microsoft it's going to have something that's going to blow me away. And I'm, I don't know what it is. And I find that very exciting. Boy, I sure hope that new fable game is there. And yeah. I hope that new fable game is amazing because uh, I dug fable one and two for what yeah. they were. And I think there's a potential for that franchise to really come into its own again. So, Oh man, it'll be fun next week. Uh, we will be talking E3. It'll be amazing. Uh, Christian and I haven't really talked. I think we might do our normal extra episode, but, We'll, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, stay tuned uh, and we will be talking lots more E3. But let's get into the games that are out now and that we're enjoying now with our playlist. Anthony, you have some juicy, juicy games on your list. Where would you like to start? Uh, let's start with Outer Wilds. Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. I'm really curious. I've heard such amazing things about Outer Wilds. Are you digging it? It is very, very cool. It is maybe not the type of game for me, but I still really, really have been enjoying playing it. Um, this is not Outer Worlds. Every time I say Outer Wilds, everybody's like, oh, that's that game from the... No, it's... it's- Unfortunate, right? Yeah. Unfortunate. Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds are both happening very, very close to one another. And I don't think that helps either of those games. No, <laughs> I think that's a not. bad, bad. Yeah. Um. So the, the basic premise of the game is you are a uh, space explorer alien. Um, you are on your home planet and um, all of the aliens that 
that live on your home planet are very fascinated by space and uh, the idea of exploring the kind of uh, small solar system you live in. I don't know if it expands beyond that. I haven't haven't got that far um, to be able to find that out, but it, it's very guided. You know, it has a lot of um, uh, elements that will help tell you where to go, but essentially what you're doing early on and for the first couple bit is you are getting on a spaceship. You're taking off a la no man's sky, but without as much travel time, it doesn't try and create this kind of realistic, like, you know, exiting atmosphere, entering space, entering. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a little bit more um, kind of arcadey. If that's the best way to describe it, but what you're doing is kind of landing on new uh, planets or asteroids or, or just like, uh, you know, space bodies and finding different uh, things to interact with. Sometimes they're like little buildings. Sometimes it's like ruins. Sometimes it's just um, some some people are there. Um, some other aliens from your race are there. Um, and you can, you can find them using a bunch of different tools or you can, um, you have a kind of language translator that will decode a, older language and so there was like a past race that uh was was messing around in your in your solar system and they've got some mysterious things going on so you'll find some some text that's uh it's not actual text it's like kind of curvy drawings but then you decode it into text and it'll say like oh we went here or we did this and then you'll get an update on your journal that will say okay they said that they went here and then you find that uh, planet or that place in the solar system, you go there, you, um, you know, interact with some stuff and then you, you continue on. But at the same time, you're doing like, not, I don't know the, the comparison that I see a lot and I think it is apt is the witness, but it's not, it's not the witness puzzles, but it's that type of idea of like, you need to kind of look at everything and kind of take it in and, and look at the puzzles and say like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but if I just sit here and process, I'll eventually come up with, with a solution. Um, but it's, it's really neat and really different. And I think that there are going to be a ton of people that dig it. Um, and it it is, uh, it's available on game pass, so you can try it out if you have game pass. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to give it a shot. I I've heard such rave reviews from so many people about, uh, how special a game it is. And it honestly, because of the confusion between outer worlds and outer wilds, I, I thought, Oh, this is the one I'm not interested in (laughs) of those two. And I sort of uh, dismissed it in my head. And I think that was an an error on my part. I'm, I'm really curious about it. Yeah. It's, I highly recommend just even if, because that you'll definitely like, if you watch videos, it might not even seem like it is interesting to you, but it is, if you are one of those people that kind of looked at a game like No Man's Sky and said, that kind of seems interesting, but I'm I'm a little, um, you know, uh, overwhelmed by the idea of so much freedom. This does it a lot better. It's a lot more focused. It's a lot more guided if you want it to be. Or you could just explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the art style is really cool. It's kind of like a. Uh, kind of cartoony uh, it does re- uh, again remind me of the witness as far as it's like use use of color and it's yeah. super clever the the only um you know kind of thing that's not keeping me continuously playing it besides another game on my list 
is is yeah it's just it's not in a genre that i particularly care for so it's just not drawing me in there but i i think that there are going to be a ton of people that will see this game and you'll love it again that's outer wilds and it's available on everything i think and you said it's on game pass too so you have that um, i think actually I, th- I don't think it's on ps4 is it oh is it not uh, oh that's right game pass probably is an exclusive then yeah uh i should have checked that also you referenced a game that has captured your imagination. Am, am I correct in guessing that's Void Bastards? Yes, that's the one. That's the one that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> so I have been playing that this week as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Void Bastards, uh, which is a game actually that re- reminds me a lot of another game I love that I just discovered recently, which is SteamWorld Heist. Uh, Void. Bastards actually has a lot of the same sort of DNA. Uh, it is uh, a game. At first, this is a first-person game, and obviously the SteamWorld game is not. But uh, a very comic book aesthetic, which is really cool. Totally dig that. Um, looks a lot like that old game 13, which is getting a remake. Um, and you are in space, and you are going from place to place trying to find certain items but it's a survival game in the sense that you can only go so far and last so long without getting other kinds of resources so you're forced to stop at other space stations and fight enemies uh or not you can just avoid them and try to loot places and it's got a bunch of really interesting interactions with the stuff that you can craft and the stuff that you can build and the things that you can find Uh, a really inventive different kind of approach uh, it's got DNA of rogue legacy and other roguelikes. Like it's got this thing where you start every time you die, you get a new body. And just like rogue legacy, you get some weird quirk to your character. Um, tell me why, what is it about this game that has sucked you in so fully? I'm a huge fan of the run based games that do a good job of giving you a sense of progress you know, even if you died early on, I like the idea that, okay, I did die, but I had one goal in mind and I did that and I, I'm okay. Versus like certain games, it's kind of like all or nothing. It's either, right. okay, my goal is I got to beat this boss so I can unlock this. But if I don't beat that boss, I, this I, my run was, was useless. Yeah, yeah, this run was useless. And so one of the things that I do like about the game is you can go for these different like uh, parts and those are on various spaceships and you can even target a specific part and it'll tell you what spaceship has it. And so you can kind of like go after it and just like put all your focus towards that, even like sacrifice um, fuel and food. Cause every time you travel to a different spaceship, you, you waste one, uh, one unit of fuel and one unit of food uh, unless you have upgrades. But so you can kind of say like, well, I'm not doing a great job with, you know, damage. So I want to upgrade my pistol or I want to upgrade like my zapper, which helps disable electronic stuff. And you can put your effort towards uh, the part that upgrades that, get that, and then just think, okay, everything after that is gravy. I have this upgrade. And then the next time you go back through, you feel slightly more powerful. Sometimes you feel even like, you know, like you made a huge jump in terms of progress. And so, yeah, that's what 
I really, really like about the game is it always kind of has these new carrots you can create for yourself to kind of go forward. And you're not even worried about the overarching goals as much as just like the sub goals. And then all of a sudden you find yourself saying like, oh, I'm I'm one jump away from the actual thing I'm supposed to get to progress the um, the story, story, the quote unquote story. Um, And it, it just it just does such a good job of of like sucking you back in uh, that I think is really indicative of the more popular run based games is that they have that really addictive nature. And this 100% has it. Yeah, it's, it's really well made and I think it's still in early access, right? It's not even a full release yet. I, th- I um, think it's out. Is it out out? I think it's I could out, be wrong. Out. I don't know about uh, that. Anyway, it, when it is, is it? when our games out, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I play it? Yeah. Lines, is it out? No, it is the not lines out. Are blurry. I beat it. It's not out yet though, but I finished it and it's incredible. <laughs> it's my game of the year. It's not out until 2020. <laughs> yeah. You're describing Slay the Spire for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Void Bastards is, is very, is very well made. And, and uh, I really dig the aesthetic that the fact that you see sound effects in a comic booky way, you know, you can imagine uh, something like um, Into the Spider Verse, the way it's it's moving, but it's still a comic book page. That's the aesthetic here. Very clever. You can walk up to a door and you'll hear something deadly moving on the other side of it because it'll make like splick, splack, 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 words yeah. actually that, appear. All the different all the different enemies have different uh, sound effects, movement noises. Yeah. So yeah, you can say like, oh, there's a there's a screw on the other side of that, not opening that right. door. You could also lock the door. Right. Yeah, and, and the interactions, the level of complexity with interactions, you're able to build this this thing that actually opens portals, and you can portal things from one place to another. You can take over turrets. You can uh, do it's. It, people are describing it as like Bioshock without a story. I don't really feel it's very Bioshocky to me, but I understand the idea that people are referencing. Where was well, that team as well, or ex members of that? team. Yeah. But it's got that sense, you know, in Bioshock where you would, you would sort of think laterally about how to deal with something, and it, yeah. it, the game allows for that. And I think that's that's really the thing that I admire most about it. Um, I still prefer this kind of game in a format that isn't a first-person shooter. I just find the first-person shooteriness of it less than exciting in this kind of template. I, I much prefer the side scroller or the uh, turn-based version or it, there's a lot of games that are sort of doing what this game is doing in a different way. It's got, it's got D- DNA of FTL in it. It's got a lot of the, yeah. these kinds of games are coalescing and, and people are figuring them out. And this game does everything right. Um, it just d- hasn't gotten its hooks into me the way it has to you just because I'm not as in love with interacting with this world in a first person shooter format, but Sure, man. Seeing the upgrade trees, the the crafting trees, and being able to go, oh, I built this, and now it it's showing me the next three other things that I can go for, and I go, oh man, that sounds really cool. I'm gonna figure out how to get to that. All of that roguelike yeah. progression based, as you say, run games. Those hooks are very, very compelling. Of oh, wow, there's really cool stuff to shoot for, really cool stuff to try for. Um, and yeah, you do feel like yeah. death doesn't really set you back too much, which I also enjoy in a, in a rogue legacy kind of way. So it's a pretty impressive yeah, it, game. It, it It is. I was actually not even 
that interested in playing it and people kind of raved about it. I said, okay, give it a try. It's also on game pass. So if you have game pass, you know, you might as well try yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I, I just gave it a try. Like you said, it first person shooter in that, in this genre, not really for me, but I played it and was like, wow, this is actually kind of feeling a little addicted. And then, yeah, playing over the weekend, I just got real sucked in. I, I couldn't stop. You know, even when I was setting those little mini goals, yeah, I could I could still just see myself playing endlessly and, and doing more of the game, um, you know, completing those upgrades and, and getting more and more and more and not even, yeah, not even worrying about the main thing. But I will say that um, I'm playing on Xbox and the shooting is not, it's a little like retro. Hmm. It yeah, kind of reminds I you agree. of like, there's no, there's no ADSing. So it's a little more in tune with like a a, do, a doom or yeah. something like that, where you're you know you're not going to be as precise as you might want to be, especially if you're playing on on controller. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not a. It's a shooter that de-emphasizes the shooting. It it, it doesn't really hang its hat on the shooting, uh, and that's fine because there's a lot of ways to deal with enemies that aren't about that. But you do a, a lot of shooting also. Anyway, uh, very much a, a game worth taking note of. Void Bastards. Does the uh, uh, name have anything to do with the game? I know that it's not the worst word in the world, and I am one sure. who curses. But I find it odd. Like It seems like such an aggressive name for a game that maybe isn't that. Am I overthinking so, it? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the basics is that you're... you're person that you're controlling each time or you're playing as is a uh, prisoner in this prison called the void arc. So these are kind of terrible people mm. who yeah. are being sent out to do they're, they're You're basically doing being sent out to do like busy work that will, I assume amount to nothing. You're basically a backpack. You're playing this game as a backpack <laughs> and the backpack attaches itself to new hosts every time you die and controls them. And those hosts are terrible people. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, could it be a better title? 100%. Does the game justify the title? A little. Got it. All right. You have one more that you want to bring up? Me? Uh, I mean, we could talk about layers of fear too. Is it good? Uh, I think. Eh, not really. <laughs> then we don't need to talk about it. Fair enough. <laughs> Layers of Fear 2 you did not enjoy. Did not enjoy. Uh, if if you like the first one, you'll probably enjoy this one. I did not like the first one. Fair enough. Christian Spicer, what have you been playing? What's on your playlist? Nothing we need to talk about much right now. We'll get to it uh, later. Uh, the thing I've been playing more of. Um, but the trailer, the Shang Tsung trailer for Mortal Kombat 11 got me back into Mortal Kombat 11. And I still really enjoy my time with that game. I'm I'm excited to see um, more of the other characters that they announced, and even Spawn. I'm excited to see Spawn um, come to the game. That that new combat fighter pass is what got me to pick it up. So we don't need to spend a lot of time with it. The characters aren't in the game yet, uh, but when they are, I'm sure I will talk about it more then. It's kind of funny that Spawn's still a thing. I mean, I guess he's still a thing. Yeah, he's definitely still a thing. Uh, Todd McFarlane did the art for I think the latest, you know, whatever. I think what Spawn started, what, five years ago? Um, so <laughs> well done. He did the uh, cover art for like an anniversary issue. It is very much, it's it's a character that's been rebooted more than you or I would know. 
but yeah. remains strong because it still looks cool and the idea of him is very cool supposedly that movie is maybe happening that but mcfarland said if i if you don't use my script exactly as i wrote it we're not making it kudos to him i guess no go watch the old hbo animated show i think it's five issues uh issues five episodes don't watch it with kids but it's excellent it's really excellent all right well uh if you're like me christian the majority of what you did this week was in vr uh we're in beautiful vr times so let's get to that all three of us have been playing a lot of vr uh i mean we are it's this is the second coming of the vr uh there, so many people have talked have sent me notes about uh oculus quest uh we got uh, a few people uh Raving at this email from uh, Jason, who said, I want to share my Oculus Quest review. Uh, like a lot of your listeners, uh, I used to be way more hardcore into gaming than I am now due to other commitments. But one thing I don't have time for is the hassle of setting up, configuring, waiting for updates, load screens, or other things that impede my gaming experience. I think that is why my finger snap, my finger snap. Nintendo Switch is seeing so much action. It's pickup and gonus makes it so that uh, within five seconds, I'm continuing that Dead Cells run or collecting some loot in some other confined indie experience. Uh, this is what VR needs, something where there's no hassle and has well-defined experiences that people with other commitments can actually finish. Also at the price point of being, uh, you know, $400 here in the US, it's no different than a console compared to buying and maintaining a high-end gaming rig. But the very, very, very best thing about Oculus Quest is the wireless roomscape, bringing it uh, to your mate that happens to have a huge open space and watching their mind melt when you play super hot untethered is priceless. I think there'll be more people who take the leap into VR now. Thanks for the years of VR talk. I finally understand what all the fuss was about. That's Jason. Uh, and he also wants to recommend a band to you, Christian, called Tusky. Do you know them? He says I have not of heard of them, but I, I've added them to my Apple Music which I guess that's tomorrow too is the Apple conference. I don't know if we'll get stuff about Apple Arcade. Anyway, neither here nor there. But uh, thank you for the recommendation. Thank you so much. Uh, yes. And uh, we also got an email on the other end of the spectrum. This one comes from uh, Rich Wynn, uh, who says, I'm glad you guys were lucky enough to get working Oculus Quests. Unfortunately, I wasn't so lucky. Uh, he bought the 128 gig model from Amazon for 500 bucks and it stopped working on him, and he opened a ticket with Oculus support that day. Uh, he said, I got a reply pretty quickly, but basically they said I'd have to send it to them, and they'd send me a replacement in 10 to 12 business days after they received it. Um, and then he didn't get anything in the mail, tried to contact with them again. He's had a horrible time of it. And he said, uh, I wanted to send this to you guys because I know you both are really impressed with yours, but it seems there are many people having issues with their quests and Rift S units. Oculus support does not seem to be able to deal with the volume either. It may be good to let listeners know that there are issues and getting support is difficult. It may be better to hold off until Oculus fixes their issues. That's from Rich. Hmm. Uh, I haven't heard um, anything from just um, anecdotally from the people that I know, but I feel for you, Rich. That is a terrible situation. Very frustrating. I would be very angry if it were me. So um, hopefully that is not happening too often. Um, but Christian and I have been both super excited about ours. But that's not really even the biggest... Well, can I mention one thing before we talk about the thing we've all been playing? Sure, we didn't yeah. talk about it last week, and you and I both kicked ourselves. We did. We were both mad that we didn't bring it up. Go ahead. 
Beat Saber has a campaign now, which came out. It's on every iteration of Beat Saber, or is if it's not on all of them, it's coming very soon. And it's incredible, and it's lengthy, and I feel like I had played a bunch of it, and I was like, I bet I'm close to being done with this campaign. Let me scroll up and, oh my gosh, there's so much more campaign. If you are considering Beat Saber and just the idea of playing one-offs or playlists, you kind of wanted progression, um, I highly recommend Beat Saber uh, for its campaign. It really kind of guides you through the progression of the game and gets going into the good stuff pretty quickly. And I think it's it's really, really well done. Yeah, I was very excited to see campaign added to that game. Uh, but I, I am a little bummed that it forces you to start the campaign on the easy mode, on the easy setting. Uh, and I know that's what the campaign is about, progressing you up to being amazing. But it feels like I just want to, I wish I could have a little more challenge right at the beginning. And if only could re- read your save file and was like, look, we hit <laughs> yeah. it. You've, you've had this game for a year. We're going to start, yeah. start at level 15 and you can right. say yes or no. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is very, very long campaign, which is good. That's what you want. You want keep, a reason to keep coming back yes. other than just your daily exercise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But let's, uh, we're bearing the lead here because uh, a really major release came out in the VR world this week. Uh, Blood and Truth was released on the PlayStation VR platform, and all three of us have played it. Um, this this is the extension of what was originally the London Heist demo for PlayStation VR. Uh, now it is the full game Blood and Truth, which is a big, long, cinematic uh, shooter uh, with a story. It's sort of like if you stepped into Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels or the heist or something like that. Um, and I, I've just been in love with this game. Anthony, what is your feeling about blood and truth? I mean, it, it it's exactly what I wanted uh, when I played the London demo and was like, man, they should just make like expand on this times a thousand. And they did exactly that. It's, it's really cool. I, it's, it's easily one of my favorite PlayStation VR experiences. Yeah, um, I think it's sure. one of the top tier VR experiences on any platform. It bums me out that it is shackled to PlayStation VR because it really deserves to be on better uh, hardware. Really, my only complaints with this game are tracking issues and frustrations I have with the PlayStation VR hardware in general. Yeah, uh, Just because I'm used to these other better solutions now, especially here we are in Gen 2. Um, but man, this game is the thing that I've been wanting from VR, we've gotten a a little bit, a little taste of it with, with games like Lone Echo uh, and others, but this is really that proof that watching a cutscene in VR is way better than watching a cutscene on a 2d screen. It is showing how you can do storytelling. You can do very cinematic, incredible moments in VR and create a really compelling cinematic experience uh, I mean, I think we PlayStation VR owners got a taste of it with uh, Rocksteady's Batman VR, and you went, "Oh my gosh, the 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 potential for this of a, for a full length game." Here is that full length game, um, Christian. What do you what do you think about Blood and Truth? It's on my short list for favorite game of the year, and we'll see yeah. what the back half <laughs> of the year delivers. But um, I think it's incredible, and and I love what it does with giving you a feeling of presence and there are moments in games and like an action movie right where it's like 
uh, title scenes or credits are kind of flashing. And then like, it's a short vignette of something. And it's like, you know, like in mission impossible, it's like the fuse is burning. And then you see like Tom Cruise running and then the fuse is burning and he's jumping on a plane. Like it kind of does things like that. And you're like, Oh, I'm, 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 I'm in this place. And you're like, Oh, this is really cool. You start looking around and then it's like, you know, back into setting you up for the like title credits. And you're like, then you're somewhere else. And the way the game first opens with the, the way you feel as if you're sitting in this place and location and there's not much to do, but really explore for a minute. Like it's very smart about its design as a VR game and how it sets things up in the pacing of things that, you know, would feel flat on a traditional flat display. Um, and then this is very early in the game, but there's a moment where you're talking to someone and it like, it knows that you're looking at the person and your character's like, come on, dude, will you sit down? My neck's getting sore because sure enough, you're like, you're craned around trying to look at what this person's trying to show you and tell you, which is really cool. And I, I'm sure they play tested the game, you know, some of these sequences, but there's a, cause I, I imagine enough people did a thing that it, it has VO for it. There's a scene early in the game where, um, you're handed something and dude that was gonna bring up the exact same moment i wonder if you did the same thing i did well i did something you know very dismissive with it and the game yes. immediately picked it up and the beauty of this game in those moments i think we should just say it because i don't want to say it because it was such an incredible I, moment i do want to say it don't and i think spoil we, it i think people can skip i think people can skip it because i'm sure 90 percent of the people listening to this aren't going to get to play this game and it's a cool moment and it is really a small moment it has nothing to do with the big version of the game and i bet there's plenty of people that did play that moment that don't even know you could do what we did for someone who doesn't watch trailers you're about to spoil something give it a spoiler tag i'm you can easily skip forward skip forward 30 seconds a minute at at most but you're driving in a convertible and one of the characters hands you a vape pen and goes hey dude try this and i went I don't want to try your dumb vape pen, dude. And I took it from him and I threw it out of the convertible. And he goes, oh, man, don't do that. And I was like, okay, game. I love you. I love you, game. I love you. That Just the acknowledgement that you could do that and it didn't wait for you and force you, like stick it in your hand or force you to do the thing before moving on. It went, no, you don't want to do that. You threw it out the thing. The guy's going to react to it. I just did you is that what you did as well Christian yeah and that's not what you have to do no not at all you could I don't even know what happens if you actually do it but you can do the the pen so all right we're out of out of spoiler mode yeah Uh, I mean there's another moment (laughs) it's not a spoiler but there's a moment where a guy wants to take a selfie with you and I found myself like leaning in and smiling and I was like oh well you know you're immersed when you're leaning in and smiling to a fake selfie in a video game yeah. And so I, I, I really love those moments and I love the way it allows you just to be in a space. It doesn't rush you through cutscenes. You're interacting with these characters. They're well acted uh, and well voiced and well animated. And then to me, this game represents what I wanted Virtua Cop to be when I was a kid or what I felt like I was playing uh virtual cop as a kid or like time crisis in the arcade where you step on the pedal to duck behind cover and that felt cool because you were holding the plastic gun and like you know i think it was down to reload like the way this game again do i wish it was on quest yes uh but i'm gonna stop acknowledging that because i'm playing in the reality it's in the way it, it it works within the confines of PlayStation VR, I think, are super smart with how your movement is limited. 
um, and, and to the way you do interact and move in the world. And the little touches when it sets you up with creating where the your chest is for your ammo clips, like it goes through dialing that in, where your back is for the gun you have behind you is really smart, where your hips are. It kind of lets you dial all that in right for you in your seated position. And it, it's, it works so well, you know, 99% of the time or 95% of the time, and I think no fault of the games, where you're just not thinking about it, grabbing a clip from your chest, slamming it into the bottom of your gun or flipping your shotgun open, grabbing two shells in and then taking the move controller and flipping it back up to lock the barrel. Um, it, it is an people, amusement ride and it's incredible. People don't, I, I say this all the time about VR games and I still don't think people really understand how mundane physical mechanical actions in VR are so satisfying. It is a lock picking, lock picking, manipulating something, reaching out and grabbing something and yanking it and breaking it, snipping something with with wire cutters or something. This game understands that. And I think a lot of VR developers understand that just the pure physicality of manipulating objects in a 3D space in VR is very, very satisfying. And it's a new kind of experience for gamers. It's not, you know, using your mouse and pushing a a mouse button to do a thing is not the same as reaching out with your hand and grabbing something and squeezing. It, it does feel fun. It may sound really insignificant, but it isn't. It's, it's significant. And, and Oh, go ahead. No, that's all. And the way it puts you in sp- in a space is different where I find myself role playing in ways that I otherwise wouldn't. Um, I'll speak vaguely, but there's a, a moment where uh, I had to bust through something to get to another thing. And I'm in the moment. I put my hands up. Yeah, you know, and me I see too. my and I don't know. I don't think it changes anything if my hands are down. I don't think my face becomes lacerated and I bleed out. But I put my hands up, and there's a moment where it I'm, feels cool, though. It feels awesome. You feel like you're yeah. in that action moment. Yeah, it feels like I'm the person doing that. There's a moment later too where you're like jumping across things, and I reached out and I grabbed onto something. And at no point yeah. does the game say like grab onto this. And I I'd assume that if I didn't, maybe it would auto grab me. I don't know. Because I did it. And I think that's really a testament to the game and its design and how it puts you into this space and its use of slow motion when like uh, you shoot a like a fire extinguisher or whatever and it blows up and explodes and like the whole th- everything slows down like you are in that action movie and you can then pop off extra shots to take out these other thugs around the world. It's so smartly designed and implementing, I think, the strengths of VR that if you own a PlayStation VR, um, it's it's a must play, an absolute uh-huh. must play. Yeah, it, the, Astrobot Rescue Mission, Blood and Truth. These are, I'm, you know, Beat Saber, the, the the usual gallery. But this is right alongside that. Like you, ha- this is why you bought a PlayStation VR for this kind of experience. The the other thing about how smartly designed it is, I, I find it super interesting that they decided to make the entire game intentionally have you be seated because a lot of these games, if it's like, well, we're giving you this immersive experience, you know, like Farpoint, for example, it assumes that you're standing and moving around and stuff. This game, you are shooting, you are doing physical things, but it actually expects you to be seated throughout the entire experience, which is interesting. I, I don't mean this to be disrespectful in any way. So please forgive me if it does, but, but it did, there were moments where I felt like I was in a wheelchair like I, I was this wheelchair bound assassin and it was mm. kind of rad. Uh, but it, it, 
I don't know if you played with the comfort mode on, I played with it off. So everything is smooth movement, but it controls, you're basically moving node to node, point to point, as you mentioned, kind of like Time Crisis or one of those games. Um, and, but you select which node to go to by looking at it and pushing a button. And you move, you move smoothly. So it does feel almost like you're in a wheelchair or on, on roller skates or something. And it's an interesting sensation. I don't know of any other game that quite does it like this, but it, and I had my doubts whether it was going to feel good to not have that freedom of going where I want, but man, it does. It feels really good. The firefights are still super intense and interesting. And I'm, I am deciding where to go and spinning my head all around and moving from place to place. And there's, I mean, there are many really interesting action set pieces that do unexpected things with that setting, with that template. It's man, Blood and Truth, very good, very good game. Yeah, I played with comfort mode on. I did not uh, have that same sensation you had. To me, that feeling sitting made it feel more like an amusement ride, which I yeah. liked. I liked that feeling of like I am playing this game of this awesome action experience. It felt like. You know, I was in Toy Story Arcade at California um, Adventure or like on the best Star Wars ride. It felt like, yeah, I'm role playing and I'm having fun as this awesome, you know, criminal underworld uh, killer or whatever. But also um, playing very much playing an action movie. And I I really like that experience. And again, I think it was them playing to the limitations of PSVR and not trying to have you do too much, which I think is smart. Dude, I talked about this at E3. I think it was last year when I played a demo level, but there was a moment in the game that I happened again, when I was fully playing it, where a guy pops up and threw a grenade at me and I caught the grenade in the air threw it across the way, not to where he was, but to where an out group of three other dudes was. And then I pulled uh, like a semi-automatic gun off of my back, took out that guy. And then as the grenade exploded, it took out this batch of guys. They fell down, busted out barricades, revealing an explosive canister or whatever. I popped that and three more dudes flew dead. And then I just walked to the end of the level. I was just like, these moments are what make the game so special but i hope call of duty has a conscience i mean but i, I understand it <laughs> yeah. I, but the difference is blood and truth didn't tell me right that that's what no. it was trying to do i agree i agree i just wanted to acknowledge what i'm sure some yes um but yes it and 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 the difference is you did all those things physically with your hands and arms you didn't just push some buttons on a mouse you actually felt like you were catching a thing felt like you were throwing a thing i mean i think i spent 40 minutes trying to get a crumpled up piece of paper to go oh. into uh, a all of those band. basketball hoops. Oh, that's another thing that I think is so clever about this game. It has, t- you collect these stars by doing all kinds of random weird things that are hidden in the levels. And then the stars allow you to get better, cool stuff, but it's super fun keeping an eye out for these extra bonus things that you can collect, you know, f- open a drawer, find a hidden thing or shoot a target that's hidden in a level or, you know, throw crumpled paper into a basketball hoop. So, it's it's just a really great, fun VR game. Anthony, as people have added it to their carts hearing Jeff and I talk, do you want to tell them why they shouldn't purchase it, or do you agree and they should click purchase? You should click purchase. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I it's, mean, you know, it's... If you own a PlayStation VR, it is, it is a game that must be played. Like, there aren't a lot <laughs> yes. of them, but 100%, this, this goes in the yes play pile. 
Well, it's unanimous. Blood and Truth is uh, a home run, a home run. I just want, you know, I love the fact that Sony is creating these incredible VR experiences. I just wish I could play them on better hardware. Yes. That's awesome. I love these studios, but I wish they made games for other headsets. Yeah. All right. Well, my goodness, that's been a, a jam-packed episode. I have had so much fun. We do have parting gifts coming up, but Anthony Taramina, thank you for being here for our annual E3 prep. Yes, thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, getting the first-hand reactions from you, Jeff, press conferences. I look forward to standing in various uh, oh god if there's no playstation there's no playstation (laughs) press conference so we're all good (laughs) yeah that's true uh where can people keep up with you and your work online uh so i will be attending e3 representing game rant at gamerant.com you can read uh all of our coverage uh you know i'm hands-on and down in los angeles doing the e3 you know in in amongst the people but you know, any any sort of trailer drops and stuff, we'll have coverage there. If you want to read it, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at uh, AntTormina, A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Christian Spicer, how about you? What's going on this week? Uh, it's same. It's E3. It's uh, choo-choo. It's, it's definitely E3. Uh, Twitter is the best way to kind of keep in touch for hot takes and stuff like that, at Spicer. Um, and again, I don't have a schedule yet, but streaming the stuff for St. Jude uh, makes me want to do more of it. So if you want, I stream this show pretty much every week at 7.15 Pacific time on Sundays. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. As for me, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm doing a Dungeons and Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. I'm super proud of it. I really am putting a ton of work into it, and I I love it very much. People have been reacting very positively to it. I hope you give it a shot. I hope you check it out. You can watch it on YouTube if you go to the Caffeine YouTube page or just search for The Dungeon Run on YouTube. We have six episodes so far. It's also an audio podcast, so anywhere you get this show, you can get an audio version of the show. Um, really amazing cast and a fun story. We did a, a crazy thing last week. It was a giant anime fight. Uh, it was wild. I hope you give it a shot. Uh, you can also watch it live Wednesday nights. That's really where the action is because it's interactive. You can actually shape the story yourself by watching and participating in the chat. Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. Also do the slash film cast. We talk about movies and TV shows. We're going to be talking about Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. King of the We're monsters. doing Godzilla. Oh, he's so Godzilla, Godzilla, uh, king of all monsters uh, this week. <laughs> Although I wish we were reviewing Godzilla. Um, you can find that at slash filmcast.com. And uh, you can always email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Anthony Taormina, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Uh, This Wednesday, I think, June 5th, uh, is the new season of Black Mirror. Mm. Highly recommend watching Black Mirror. It's uh, cool sci-fi, cool satire. Um, 
maybe a lot of people were exposed to it through Bandersnatch, which was kind of like the choose your own adventure, self-contained uh, movie that Black Mirror made. But if you've never watched Black Mirror, I highly recommend either going back through Netflix's library and watching some of them. Uh, or uh, if you have been watching it, the new season comes out this week. You can binge it. It's only like three episodes. Yeah. Amazing. So excited for more episodes of uh, Black Mirror. Great show. Great show. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? If you're listening to this on Monday, the day it comes out, uh, I would recommend watching the championship uh, NCAA women's softball game. It is uh, Monday is when the first game is played. Then it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a best of three. It's UCLA versus Oklahoma. Full disclosure, I ended up coaching my daughter. She's young. the coach pitch softball team. And it was my first time coaching her first time playing. I kind of got like the league was like, we need another coach. And I was like, I'm not going to. And then I did it and I loved it. It was an incredible experience. So um, now you're hoping that she ends up in the world series someday. Maybe. I mean, we watched it. She expressed interest in it. Um, saw it was on and I got hooked. It's the reason why I didn't play void bastards this weekend is that we were watching college softball world series. Um, nice. It is such a fast game, small, like the baseball is big field, small ball. Softball is small field, big ball. And to see these women, I mean, how fast these pitches come in and come off the bat at such a close distance and how quickly the game can change. Um, the today, Sunday's uh, semifinal game of UCLA and Washington. I think it went 10 innings. UCLA won it. It was 0-0. They won it with a, ended up being a walk-off three-run home run. But wow. these two pitchers, the UCLA pitcher, I think she pitched the complete game. Washington has one of the best pitchers in the in the country on their team and just lights out. And I think it's easy to be like, well, I'm not going to do that. Fine. I get it. My personal experience has brought me to it. I wasn't watching it before. But I, I am hooked on the game and how fast it is um, and how, how quickly the game can change from moment to moment. So if you want to give it a shot, there's going to be high-level play um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as the uh, – NCAA championship is crowned between UCLA and Oklahoma. Are all those women, the, the pitchers, do they all have rotator cuff injuries? It just seems so I'd, crazy the way they pitch those. It's just insane. It's, I, so, I mean, it is underhand pitch and it is so fast. And I was learning of, you know, of all the different types of pitches that they're doing a riser, sinker, uh, still throwing curveballs and all this stuff. I was very ignorant to the game. Um, and watching it and watching, of course, the best pitchers, uh, in college pitching, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I don't, if I were playing that game, uh, I'd have a face mask on all the time. It (laughs) is, yeah, that ball screams off the bat. And these women, the UCLA game today, uh, in my head, I was like, I'll kind of go to my office and and play some void bass. I got to play it. I have, I put it off all weekend. I got to play, got to play, play. then it went to extra innings and the UCLA as a freshman that's just making incredible plays in the field. And this Washington pitcher was just lights out. It it blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Well, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes from Rob Malone. Rob writes, a couple of weeks ago, Jeff mentioned the idea of creating something as his parting gift. And that inspired me to share my parting gift this week, which is the album California Rain by my friend Chad Gingrich. My friend Chad decided to get back into music and wrote and performed an album's worth of music. Talking with him about the process was beyond impressive with the effort he put into making it, and it has inspired me to develop my own creative side. Uh, 
Chad is currently in the middle of a move from the West Coast to the East Coast and probably listening to DLC along the way. Ah, Chad, keep on trucking, man. Stay awake. It's a long drive. (laughs) Thank you both for all that you do and for putting good things into the world. Uh, If anybody wants to check it out, he posted it on Spotify. Again, the album is called California Rain, written and performed by my friend Chad Gingrich. It comes from Rob. He sent it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com where you can send your parting gifts as well. Uh, We certainly wish Chad luck with that uh, album. Sounds cool. And you guys can find it on Spotify, California Rain. My parting gift is a show I know a lot of people have been liking for a long time, so I'm late to this party, but I've just started watching it, my wife and I, and I really, really like it. It's called Fleabag, and it is on Amazon Prime, I believe. Yes, Um, and BBC. Right. BBC show, only six episodes per season. I think the two seasons now, we just watched the first season. This is a very adult show. Very, very, very adult show. First scene of the first episode is like, oh, I'm glad I didn't watch this while my mom was in town because she's getting into town this week. Um, But it is, uh, it's very well written. It's very smart. Characters are really interesting. It's very dark, but funny. It has, I think, episode four, Four, I believe, has a joke in it that I laughed at for a solid two minutes. My wife was like, are you okay? I was laughing so hard. And it's a really subtle thing. It was something that was written on a chalkboard in a silent retreat that the characters go on. And it made me laugh so hard. I really like the show. Like I said, very adult, very dark. Uh, but, but Fleabag, uh, I recommend it if you, you, it's half an hour episode, six of them per episode, per season. So I'm, I'm excited for season two. Co-signed, but also co-signed on adult and, and all aspects of the world word. It's, uh, yes. Cursing situations, sexuality, nudity, all of that stuff. Be aware. And also subject, ma- subject I mean, just matter, dense, yep. dark subject matter about death. And, you know, it's, it is, it is a very, it's funny, but it is a very dark uh, adult show. Yes. Um, I highly recommend it, though. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Taramina and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us live and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, especially Sean Madigan this week. For When we roll out that E3 bumper, I am always extra grateful for Sean Madigan and, and all of his contributions, including that one, but also uh, zero star and Patrick L for the bumpers that you hear. And uh, thanks to all of you who download and listen to the show. It's going to be a big, exciting couple of weeks, next couple of weeks as we uh, talk about E3 and get excited. Uh, we will be here. I hope you will be here with us. Uh, we appreciate you listening until next week. Think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. And I'll leave you with this. Chugga, 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 chugga.